All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Pixels and Ink. Jeez, you sound great today, Dave. Of course I do. I always sound good. You do, but today I think it's a little extra good because it's Friday. All right. It's Friday today. It may be another day for you listeners, but uh, we're glad that you're back with us. Today, we're going to share some market data, some insight into a few areas of the print industry that will help you as you're thinking about where you're going to take your business this year. Yeah, and as you transition to new offerings, you're always, you know, I know we are always looking for the next best thing. And so we're here to bring you the state of printing, what's been going on, and then what's the future of print and how can you leverage that to grow your businesses? Sure. So even if you're not a printer or in commercial printing, this information is still going to be useful for you because we also have some response data that Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about, responses through different channels and some really interesting things about direct mail and offline and online channels there. So you don't want to miss that. We're going to be sharing a lot of that uh, key data for you. Now, before we jump into that information, we have a lot of feedback from our listeners, which we like, right? We love that. So we're going to read a few of those to you just so you can kind of get a sense for what everyone else is thinking. And we also want to get your thoughts as well. Mm -hmm. So we heard from a couple of you saying that uh, the idea of having trouble selling print services is really resonating, that it's a powerful thing, that it's something that a lot of people are struggling with, especially if you're in the print space, of course. Yeah. And many people mention the ups and downs. So some months it's really great and then some months it's really slow. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's something that we get a lot of feedback about. Yeah. The other uh, topic is lead gen. I'm reading here from Jim. Jim says that lead gen is a hot topic for us as well as our client partners. We're always looking for new ways to sell our services. Next one we have down there, Doug, like I was saying before, I live in the world you described in your email, busy one month, slow the next. So how can you leverage lead generation, create a lead generation machine for your company, giving you the ability to smooth out those peaks and valleys? We had a question from George saying, what do you recommend for us to remain top of mind with our customers? Anything that we can do to remain intriguing in the minds of our customers? George, there's a lot you can do. Actually, in the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about how you can build a lead generation machine. Yeah, so I think maybe we should stop right here, Dave, and take a step back and kind of walk them through the lay of the walk our listeners through the lay of the land. Sure. Basically, like we did previously with Facebook, we're gonna bring you three episodes, part of a three series topic of how to turn your company and transform your company into a lead generation machine. So today is going to be part one. Um, In the next two subsequent episodes will be part two and three. And today is really focused on the landscape and the data and um, just set the stage for you to understand why are we bringing this information? What are the topics and the areas that you can leverage? And then as we move forward, we'll actually train you to transform your company. And I think this first part will be of particular interest to printers, but then parts two and three are really applicable to any Anyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. looking to generate yep. leads. All right, so we're going to break this into two pieces today. We're going to talk about the state of printing in the United States on the whole and kind of give you an overview of the landscape, some of the data that you might not have had a chance to look at since you've been busy running your companies, of course. And then we're going to look at some of the growth opportunities in the market, some of the areas that are actually growing. Um, and those are the areas that we think you might be able to take advantage of. So if you take a look at the printing industry as a whole, we're really experiencing that it's actually in a state of divergence right now. So in developed countries such as the U.S. or Canada, we are experiencing a shrinking of the printing industry. Although still um, prevalent in the manufacturing world, there is revenue being spent there. We're experiencing a decrease in revenue being spent, companies closing, uh, losing employees. But then in developing countries, we're noticing the complete opposite. And so we're starting to see these developing countries grow exponentially in terms of printing and manufacturing. Yeah. So the United States is the largest print market right now. Woo. Yeah. But will likely be overtaken by China in 2016. So the data we're sharing here with you today is from 
the Economist, the intelligence unit. It's not just uh, stuff that we're making up here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, stuff that you may want to pay attention to here. Yeah, so like you said, Mackenzie, there is um, a lot going on. In 2015, according to The Economist, there was about half a percent growth in the United States. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the overall trend, but there are some pockets of opportunity. One of the areas that is growing within that is packaging. Yep. And so by 2017, half of the print revenue in the United States is forecasted to come from packaging. Yeah, it's really interesting. So if you look at data from 2001 to 2015, let's just discuss how the revenue has consolidated and how it's been shrinking. So here's the data. 42,520 printers existed in 2001, and then compared to 2015, it lowered by 30% to 29,590 yeah, printers. Big drop. And then this is the saddest part for, for me to see, is mm-hmm. that in 2001, there was 800,000 employees employed by printing companies, and now in 2015, or last year, it was only 453,000, and that's yep. a 43% Almost decrease, which is, which is really sad. So that means that print companies are closing their doors, and that means that you know people are losing their jobs. Yep. And just last week, we saw this from what they think, Dr. Joe Webb. There was a headline that said 19 consecutive months of improved U.S. commercial printing shipments. So even though you just kind of shared that news there, McKenzie, about the overall decline, um, according to the latest data, the U.S. commercial printing shipments have increased compared to the prior year for 19 straight months. So there is something happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting to watch. One of the things that's interesting to watch is the profit margin mm-hmm. on these jobs. So across all printers, it's about 2.5% profit margin. But those that are in the top 25% of profitability are on par with their pre-recession years. And that's around 10%, a little over 10% profit margin. Yeah. And you know, here's the deal. So in times like this, it seems like, okay, things are going great. So we can just continue doing what we're doing. But right now is the time when you need to push hard. I know, Dave, that's something you always tell me, which is like, when things are going really good, that's not the time to let up on the lever. That's the time to fuel it, to start to capitalize on that growth and then set yourself up for the future so that when and if things change or or the state of printing starts to you know change and transform, which it's inevitable that change exists, that you will be set up for success. And so that's why we want to talk about the different areas that lie ahead of growth that you can start to tap into. Yeah, one thing we're not talking about today, but we're going to bring on a guest shortly is 3D printing, mm-hmm. another area that's of particular interest to those of you who are looking to expand your businesses. Yeah, so stay tuned. We will be bringing you someone from there. So right now, interesting fact is that the top three largest printers make up 21% of the industry revenue. Who are those? So those are R.R. Donnelly, Quad mm-hmm. Graphics, and Veo. Um, and, and what that shows me is that if the top 21% of the industry revenue is grasped or held by three companies, that competition is fierce. And so because competition is fierce, people are focused on price. Um, and you really need to, as a printer, start to differentiate yourself and see, okay, what am I going to do to stay top of mind? But also you know, disassociate myself with just the rest of the quote unquote printers out there. And so because of this demand and excess capacity and competition, prices fell from 2007 to 2012. Yeah, it's easier said than done, but that's one of the reasons why we're investing in in you, the listeners, and trying to bring you this information to help you actually combat some of these things that are going on. Yeah, we believe in you and we're here to help you capitalize on them and and see how you can actually transform your companies. So Mackenzie, you've mentioned in other shows that your mom and your uncle have a printing company, right? They do, Yeah, what are they seeing right now? So we were talking about this the other day but right now it seems like things are going really well again so mm-hmm. for a few years it was you know bad news bears um when things, was that um i'd say 
up until this last year or okay. a few years. I mean, I don't know. 2015? Yeah, definitely uh-huh. 2015. There started to be some shift, I know, just from hearing them banter or talk within our family. But um, I was talking to my mom yesterday, and she said, things are great right now. Okay. I mean, print revenue, I mean, they're back to where they were before. And Where's the growth coming from? You know, I'm not exactly sure. I know they work specifically um, really big in the healthcare industry and healthcare okay. vertical. But I think that right now, because the global state of um, revenue is growing, you know, the GDP is back up. Things are uh-huh. things are getting better. The economy is stimulated. And so people are spending more. Thank you, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, when you are experiencing declining revenues or challenges that you start to cut back on things like print. Uh-huh. You know, you cut back on marketing, even though you should be spending on marketing those times, you're like, well, I have excess money. And right now I need to just focus on what I'm doing. And so for those years of the recession, people were cutting back on print. And now they're saying, OK, we've got some extra money now. Things are going better. Let's start to, you know, re-up on that and start to um, re-engage print as a outbound marketing channel. So is she doing direct mail? Yeah, so they do direct mail. They do a lot of, um, actually, they do work for pharmaceutical companies, which okay. happens to be labeling and packaging. Okay. Um, but yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So overall, in terms of you look at what's being output by printers, and specifically the direct mail portion, and you look at the percentage of the whole pie that these different types of direct mail make up, um, over half right now are in letters. Interesting. Yeah, 58% in letters. And then self-mailers and postcards are 14% and 12% of the overall uh, output that's being produced here. Then you have everything else uh, falling uh, underneath there. So there's still a lot of direct mail being done. We're actually going to share some of the top companies that are doing direct mail, um, but the over half are letters right now. Yeah, something interesting. I, I hadn't noticed it until now, but uh, the table shows coupons a tiny 1% mm-hmm. sliver. And I think that's, I mean, right now all the coupons are going online. I know I was just at Whole Foods and now they have an app for their coupons rather yep. than being printed. And so it's interesting to think about how print is being um, changed or evolving because of... You're doing a circle with your no. finger. <laughs> <laughs> the environment. The environment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I Meaning... Was Meaning people are thinking, okay, the environment's really important. We don't want to be just printing too much paper. And so uh, things yep. like coupons are going digital. Yep. So that just sparked my memory now. Sorry, listeners, yep. that took me, a little, <laughs> took me a little while to think about no, that. No, that makes sense. Now, a lot of our listeners are owners of companies. Yep. They're in sales. Mm-hmm. They're in marketing. They're trying to push their companies forward. And especially those that are printers, you know, one of the things that you're dealing with is the budget that your customers have to spend on print. Right. So what's happening with the print uh, share of the marketing budget. Yep. So right now, 79% are declining, which means that the print share is declining as a total whole of the direct marketing budget, which yep. means you're getting less of people's marketing budgets. Yep. Yeah. Bummer. And, and 5% uh, report it growing, and then 16% say it's going to stay the same. Mm-hmm. So that is not meant to depress, but more so just give you a, a, an overview of what's happening. Now, what happens when we look ahead a little bit? Let's say looking ahead over the next two or three years, what are the print revenues and what are their distribution? What do you think those are going to look like, Mackenzie? Yeah, so in 2017, we look at the forecasted print revenue distribution. And just like we are starting out with, packaging and labeling is going to consume 52% of the print revenue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never, I really never would have thought about that. Yeah. I mean, 
I now that we've looked at it and we start to think about it, it makes sense to me. But, um, you know, it's it's really interesting to start to think that, OK, it's going to shift from some of these other buckets into packaging and labeling. And then tell us about the rest of the distribution. Yeah. So 12 and 11 percent are publishing and marketing or commercial print specifically, respectively. And then a remaining 3 percent are transactional. And then there is a 22% that's other, all the other stuff that people are doing. Mm -hmm. So that's what the economist forecasts uh, over 2017 or, or in 17. That's what the print distribution will look like. And when you look ahead over the next couple of years, say the next five years, there's a number of different models that kind of show what print as a whole is going to do. And McKinsey, we have that here on the screen in front of us. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can put that in the blog. But we can. Yeah, there's a number of models. One is relatively conservative, showing uh, print overall declining a bit over the next few years. And then there's another uh, model that's tied to GDP that is quite dramatic. Uh, there you in the see green that line. line. Yeah, you will we'll, see that line. We'll put wow. that up there for you. So uh, there's a lot that's going on. There's a lot of uh, people looking at, uh, at these numbers. Obviously, this is a, still a, a large industry here in the United States. And within that industry, there are growth opportunities. So let's talk about those now. Yeah. So this is the exciting portion because yep. now we get to tap into the first one, packaging, which is going to, like we said, um, saturate over 50%, 52% of the print revenue by 2017. So let's talk about packaging. So right now it's growing 3.3% annually. So that means two times overall the market growth rate. And it's expected to reach about $186 billion by 2017. Yeah, that's that's big. That's really big. So you want to be listening now and think about how can you start to, to leverage and capitalize on this. So let's talk about packaging. What is packaging and why is it important? Well, right now, packaging is starting to become personal. Sort of like, Dave, doesn't this remind you when direct mail started, people started putting pearls or, you know, sure. speaking relevantly. And yep. packaging is more than just sticking a... Um, a static label on a product. It's about communicating with people. It's about creating that emotional connection. And so right now we're seeing a few trends. Number one is personalizing those packaging. And this, a good example of this is a campaign that you might, might've seen in stores is this share a Coke campaign. Uh -huh. So if you guys have seen, um, there's Coke cans or Coke bottles and the label has names on it. And so you can actually go on their website and have them customized. You can do it. Let's say it's someone's birthday. Dave, if it's maybe on your birthday, we'll do share Coke and we'll right. share Coke with Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're putting over a thousand names. Now I wanted to go back and research, okay, how did this start and why did it start? What was Coke thinking? Yeah, I didn't know this. Yeah, behind this. So I did some research and I actually found that it was started in Australia. So mm -hmm. the goal of this um, share a Coke campaign was to go into Australia. Although they've been there, they wanted to further penetrate the market yep. and create an emotional connection where it's actually going to start to increase consumption among um, Aussies. So Dave, can you give us a little... A little Hello, mate. <laughs> Gets me every time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, and so I guess clearly here we call each other by our first names, but I guess in Australia it's way more prevalent that people refer to each other as, hey, Dave, um, or hey, mate. That's another one. So what Coca-Cola did is they took the top 150 names that are most popular in Australia. They stuck those on the labels of the can of the bottle, so share a Coke with Amy, hypothetically. Um, and then they also did mate too, so share a Coke with mate with mate yeah i don't know if that doesn't sound that doesn't sound right but maybe they said hey mate or something like that um and so they wanted to really increase consumption among coke in the australian market and so i know they started in australia then they came to the united states mm -hmm. and i saw some data in the wall street journal showing the impact on the revenue that it had it had a positive impact on revenue perfect and they've rolled it out to over 80 countries now wow yeah. yep interesting 
I like that. So this gives you, you know, a look into how you can use your presses. Use that variable data. Use that um, print equipment that you already have to start to print, package, and label materials and then personalize it further. Now, within packaging, there's a couple of markets that are of interest as well. And one of those is the connected home or the the Internet of Things. So this is the idea that we're we already see this. We have devices in our homes and on our bodies even that are you know, connected to the internet, Yep. that are connected to one another. The, these machines and devices are talking to one another. So all of these things need a package. They need a box. They need mm-hmm. something to go in. And more and more young people, millennials specifically, are aware of these types of products and are buying smart home products. Right now, the market size is estimated to be a little over $600 billion. Mm-hmm. That's 600 with a B. And it's expected to grow to $1.7 trillion in 2020. So that's just a huge increase there and the number of products that all need packaging, that all need some sort of marketing in order to support their go-to-market strategy. So another big opportunity area there. Yeah, and this all sounds great. We've provided you a lot of data. We said, okay, packaging is going to be the next best thing. Um, but I'm one of those people that connects with a tangible story. And so we were reading a magazine called Printing Impressions, which is put out by Napco. And there's an article that's called Take the Packaging Plunge. So if you do have Printing Impressions, it's on page 33. But I'll just give you listeners a brief summary of it. So there was a company called, or there is a company called Color Inc. It was founded, what, more than three decades ago, so over 30 years ago. And about 15 years ago, the president, his name is Todd, he realized that, you know what, packaging is going to start to grow. And so he never would have previously thought that they would turn this commercial printer into a packaging company or or have a segment within it, but he decided to start to leverage it. It wasn't like a light bulb went off. It's just sort of a slow progression. Interestingly enough, they now have 25% of their revenue coming from packaging. Yeah, and that's, that's cool. you know, that's really cool. I love yeah. it. Um, and so two years ago, they took it even further. They, they launched what's called Fun Deco, and it's an offshoot of Color Ink. And what it does is it designs and produces consumer products along with the packages they come into. Okay. And so this is an example of a company who's leveraged or capitalized on this growing trend and how it starts to transform their company. And right before we were um, having this podcast, right before we started – Recording, Dave and I were talking and we said, you know what, this sort of sounds like the transition to offering marketing services. You know, I've heard yeah. this before. We've heard this well before. If you've if you've listened to our other episodes, you heard Mike Robinson say previously X amount of our revenue came from this and now 80%, I think it's over 80%, yeah. right? Marketing comes services. from marketing services. Yep. And this is sort of sounding familiar right. with packaging. So right. I feel like we're at a great time, you know, the beginning of that bell curve that curve to start to uh, you know, tap into it. You know, interestingly, going back to the Coke example, the other thing that's on the screen here, we'll put a picture of this, Mackenzie, is the hashtag there, share a Coke, True. right? So the other thing you have the opportunity here to do, if if you're a printer or if you're the consumer packaged good company, you can tie this stuff into the, the electronic realm using things like this hashtag here um, to tie it into the Twitter sphere and uh, really connect the loop between the offline and the online. Yep, Absolutely. So we promised you that we also have some response data to kind of give you a sense for how print does relative to the other channels. And uh, we want to share that with you now. So the first thing is, and we'll put this up on our blog as well. You'll see this in the show notes. Mm -hmm. We have some data here that shows from the DMA the typical or average response rates for a variety of media. So this this includes phone, direct mail, mobile, paid search, social media, email, and internet display. Now think for a moment, listener, out of all of those that I just listed, which do you think has the highest response rate? 
So out of telephone, direct mail, mobile, paid search, social media, email, and internet display, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Well, if you said telephone... You're right. You're right. And yeah. what percent, Dave? Nine to 10%. Awesome. And then what about next? So after telephone, what do you think would be next? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Tell me. It's direct mail. Wow. Yeah. So 3.7% with a house list and a 1% response rate for a prospect list. Now, what's interesting about that response rate for direct mail? So th- what's interesting about that is that DMA put out a report at the end of the last year said that direct mail outperforms, listen to this, all digital channels combined, combined. by nearly 600%. Yeah, combined. Combined. Add them all up. Amazing. Yeah. So we'll put that chart on the uh, on the blog as well. You'll, you'll be able to take a look at that. Now, if you're an ROI-minded marketer, you also may be thinking about the cost to acquire customers through these channels. Right. And print is respectable about, and this is the same source, Direct Marketing Association, shows about a $19 cost per acquisition, uh, a little less than paid search, less than internet display, and right in line with a lot of the electronic yeah, channels. Yeah, social media and mobile, they're right in line, so... So who's doing direct mail? Who is it? Tell us. Lots of companies. We mm-hmm. have a list of the top 50 companies that we'll just, we're just going to give you the maybe top Maybe one five. of them, maybe our, one of our listeners is part of these companies. Kudos to you. Yeah, you might be. So American Express is number one in the financial services industry, mm-hmm. uh, followed by Chase Bank, then Comcast, AAA, and Verizon. Those are the five companies that are doing direct mail. Gosh, you know, I get a lot of direct mail from Chase Bank, but they have oh, good yeah. offers. They do, you know, $500 here to open up an account. Yep. Um, but yeah, that just came so top direct mail is going strong. This is the list of top fifty companies doing direct mail. We'll go ahead and put that on our website as well. Um, if you're a printer, you may want to go after these guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're on this list, watch out. You might start getting some phone calls. <laughs> so uh, as we wrap this up here, uh, there was a study done not long ago called "The Future of Print in the United States: Landscape Implications and Opportunities," put out by Premier. And there's a quote there that kind of hits home, and and it's talking specifically to those of you who are printers. It says, those who view themselves as general commercial printers and continue to compete on price and refuse to reevaluate their strategy will have a difficult time maintaining a successful business. Interesting. Yeah, kind of a downer there. We don't want to end on that note. So uh, what we're trying to do here is share some insights with you that will help you grow your business. I'm sure you're busy, just like all of us. Maybe you're listening to us on a run. Maybe you're taking a walk. Whatever you're doing right now, we're trying to give you some ideas that can help you take your business to the next level. Yeah, but Dave, here's the good news is that it says these are the, the you're going to experience this if you refuse to reevaluate your strategy. And if you're listening to our podcast right now, you obviously care about yeah, what's going out there. You want to know what's new. That's you're true. listening to a podcast. That's a fairly, within the last few years, way of connecting with content. So you're obviously a forward thinker. And so this is actually, this is to me, this is exciting. Yeah, so. definitely. So join us next time when next we time. look at how you can build a lead generation machine. Oh, yeah. Right? Using multiple channels. <laughs> you seem really excited. I am. Good. Using multiple channels, we're going to talk about how you can create a lead generation machine that helps you point your company at different markets and start to generate leads and ultimately sales. Yep. Thanks for listening to part one of this three part series on building a lead gen machine. We will talk to you next episode. All right, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye bye.